want some good stories, I'll be in the back right after this. I don't, I don't have too many, but I think I do have a few. But I do have lunch with Pastor Jeremiah, so I think I'll wait till the later service to share those stories just to protect myself. I'm just kidding, but uh, we're glad to be here with you all this morning. Uh, as I said, my name is Arthur. Glad to have my wife here, Lauren, with us. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be here with you all. I was last with Every Nation Baptist Church maybe about five or six years ago at the old location. So it's great to see this beautiful building that God has provided for you all. It's wonderful to be here with you all today. And we're praying for Pastor John and his, his mom and their family. And uh, he called me about earlier, I want to say Monday or Tuesday this week, asked if I'd be interested in coming up here to speak for him. And so I'm glad to do that. For those of you that maybe don't know the connection, uh, I go to Crooked Creek Baptist Church, okay, that's we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, so you probably just heard the most country name of a church in your life, Crooked Creek Baptist Church. I'm the assistant pastor there, and that is where a pastor's brother-in-law is a pastor, so Pastor Brenton Jennings and Mr. Lana Jennings' family and Pastor John, and so it's, uh, it's good to be with you all this morning. I will be in Philippians 3, now Timothy, I'm switching it up a little bit, all right? Uh, that's why I was going to speak on this afternoon. But I'll be in Philippians 3. We have one of the copies of the Simplified. I believe that's in on page 1,121. All right. Philippians 3. So, so glad for a beautiful morning service already. I know music's ministered to my heart. The specials were beautiful, a great blessing. I'm looking forward just to sharing the word of God with you all for the next few minutes or so. Philippians chapter 3, I'll begin reading in just a moment, all right? But in the world of image making, whether you're painting or, or whether you're, uh, you're taking pictures or if you're maybe even sketching or something like that, there's an important phrase that people use in the world of art, and it's this one, the focal point. And down in Athens, Georgia, I think specifically of, of this man that we see often in Athens, Georgia, home of the Georgia Bulldogs, okay, the big University of Georgia's there, and that's one of the, the biggest thing about Athens, they just had a big uh, football game yesterday, but there's this man there, normally he's at the Walmart in Athens, and he uh, has had both his arms amputated, and there he, he draws with a sharpie pen in his mouth, and it's really interesting, he normally will draw portraits of a bulldog, or portraits of a bulldog with the two national championship trophies that the Bulldogs just won the last few years, and but he's there, he's always drawing a picture, but every picture or painting or any or sketch or anything like that that you see, there's something called a focal point. And a focal point is really just what is the main focus of that picture. Maybe you have, you know, like, like that man there at Walmart, he's painting a bulldog. He's got a bulldog's face there. Now the two trophies are, I'd say, national champions right across the middle. Then you see a beautiful painting of a church, and you know it has the, the sky, it has the clouds, and maybe it has a few birds in the background or some rolling hills. But then you see that beautiful church. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the center of the painting, but it's what stands out the most. It's a thing that's meant to grab your attention. When I use that phrase, focal point, it's a thing that when you look at a picture, or you look at a drawing, or you look at a painting, it's the thing that is supposed to draw your eye and cause you to focus on its beauty. And this morning, for the next few minutes, I'd like to talk about the focal point of our Christianity. When somebody looks at your life, but more specifically, when they look at your faith in Jesus Christ, what 
that you see not only that, but when you think about your relationship with Christ, you think about your faith, you think about your own personal Christianity, what is the focus point? What is the main thing that draws your attention or that would draw the attention of others? But not only that, what is the main thing that you put on display for everyone to see? And the Apostle Paul is going to give us a great understanding of a focal point or what the focus of our Christianity should be there in Philippians chapter 3. And we'll begin reading in verse number 3. The Bible says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has reason that he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Here the Apostle Paul is, is giving an account of his life, he's giving an account of his background, and he's saying, before I met Jesus, I was this man that focused on the law, I was this man that focused on my own self-righteousness, I was a man that focused on my own zealous works, thinking that I was serving God. But what does he say in verse 7? He says, but what things were gained to me? Those I counted loss for Christ. Yes, truly, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness that is of God by faith. In verse 10, where we'll, the last part that we'll read, says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. What is the focal point of your Christianity? What is the focal point of your faith? Here Paul says, before I met Jesus, the focal point of my religion, or the focal point of even my faith in God, was everything that I could do on my own. But now my focal point is those three words that I may know him. That really should be the focus of our Christianity. That really should be the focus of our belief in God is a desire to know Him. And so for the next few minutes, I'd just like to preach on that idea of knowing Christ, of that being our focus above everything else that we could focus on, of everything else that we could look at in God's Word, things that are important, things that are great. Our focus ought to be Christ and Himself alone. Would you pray with me this morning, and then we'll get into the rest of the message. Dear God, we love you. Lord, I'm thankful for your goodness to us. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. Lord, that we can read it together, God, that we can meditate upon it. But Lord, more importantly, that we can learn and draw from it, God. But your word really is the bread of life. Lord, we take it in, and Lord, we gladly are thankful that we can get to know you better. I pray that you would teach us this morning, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak to us this morning. And God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know how many of you are big sports fans, okay? But I grew up a sports 
baseball, and there's a pretty well-known football player by the name of Aaron Rodgers. You know who Aaron Rodgers is? He's won multiple MVP awards. He's won the Super Bowl in the National Football League. He played for the Green Bay Packers for many years. He actually just got hurt this last week. Uh, he's not going to be able to play for the rest of the season. But Aaron Rodgers, a pretty well-known guy, oh, I think it was either last year or the year before, made this statement. He was talking about his career. He was talking about what he felt like he could do left in maybe these last few years of his career before he retired. He said, I think I can win one more MVP. He said, I think I can win one more Most Valuable Player Award. He's won a few already, but he said, I think that I can still reach that goal. And just the next day, somebody I believe was on the radio, and they brought out this point. You know, Aaron Rodgers, a great quarterback, an MVP quarterback, has won championships before, but he has the wrong focus. You know, the goal of football and the goal of any sport is not necessarily to be the most valuable player, but it's to win the championship. The goal of any professional athlete, maybe they have their own personal goal, maybe they would like to win an MVP award, but ultimately their goal as a teammate and as a player and as you know, an employee of their team is to win the championship at the end of the year. And Aaron Rodgers had this focus. Hey, I think I can win one more MVP. And this other player called him out the next day and said, that's not the right focus. You know, when it comes to our faith, oftentimes we have a wrong focus on what it's all about. Oftentimes we look at a relationship with Christ, or we look at what it means to be a Christian, we look at maybe what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and we often have the wrong focus, the wrong goal, and Paul tells us about that, that what he had as a focus before and how it was totally off from what our focus should be. Number one this morning, the one of the wrong focuses that we can have as a Christian is don't focus on self Dependence. Don't focus on self-dependence. One of the wrong focus points of being a Christian, of being a follower of Jesus Christ, is focusing on what we can do in our own strength. And we're going to look at verse 4 just to see some examples of that. Paul says, though I might also have confidence in flesh. He says, I can trust, or I can put confidence in what I can do. He says, if any other man thinks that he has reason, that he might trust in the flesh, more. Paul says, as you know, as followers of God, we all can maybe say, no, I trust in my own power, my own strength, my own determination. And Paul says, if anybody else thinks that they can do it, I think I can do it even more so. He gives us some reason why in verse 5. It says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he says, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. He says, I have all of this ability to depend on myself. All of this ability to depend on my own, my own strength to live out the law that God had given. You know, sometimes we look at a Pharisee in the Bible and we think, oh, they're just totally so far away from God and really their heart is away from God, but they look at the scriptures that we would look at. The Pharisees would memorize the same first five books of the Bible that we have in our Bible. And as Paul would look at the law, it wasn't necessarily that he was reading a book of another religion, but it was that he was trusting in his own strength. 
to be ourselves. I challenge you this morning as you think about maybe that picture of your Christian faith, as you think about your own walk with God, your own view of Christianity, as you look at that picture of what it might look like, are you the one in the middle, or is Christ? Give you an example, many of us do that in our own walk with God, that we think Christianity is about helping myself be a better person. Sometimes we think my faith in Jesus Christ is about what I can do to please God. I can go to church. I can read the Bible. I can spend time in prayer. I can come up here and I can sing the song and I can do this and I can do this. And sometimes we make Christianity about what we can do instead of about what Christ has done. All of those things that Paul was saying he had done and being a keeper of the Hebrews, a Pharisee, concerning the law of blameless and persecuting the church and all of these different things, the problem with those things was that it was a focus on himself. At this point in Paul's life, when he was a Pharisee, when he was persecuting the church, he had not yet known Christ. And the whole of his religion, the whole of his belief in God was what he could do of his own account. In verse 5, I'll break it down a little bit more. A little bit more clearly, he said, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and the Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. Now, Pharisees, they were experts on the Old Testament law. They were absolute experts. Most likely, Paul would have memorized in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He would have been able to quote all of those to you. He would have been able to stand in the temple and in the synagogue and teach those things. Paul was an expert on what the first five books of the Bible said. But not only was he an expert being able to quote them for you, but he was an expert in obeying all of those different laws. Sometimes we read Exodus or Leviticus and we read Deuteronomy and we think, man, there's a whole lot of commandments in these books of the Bible. And the Pharisees, just how much experts they were, they didn't just obey and follow those laws and those rules and those commands, but the Pharisees created even more laws, even more rules, and even more commands to follow after. And Paul's faith before meeting Jesus Christ was all based on obeying the law. It was based on what he could do to keep the commands of Scripture instead of the one who died for us because we can never keep the commands of Scripture perfectly. As Paul lived out his life, as he lived as a Pharisee, it was all based on what he, he could do in his own strength to obey the commands of the law. And look, if we're not careful, we'll focus on how much we can obey the laws and the commands of God's will. And maybe we won't base our salvation on how well we do. But the whole of our Christianity as a believer will be, well, I did this right, I did this right, or well, maybe I messed up here, but you know I'm doing pretty well. When we make the whole of our Christianity focus on do this, do that, do this, do that, instead of on having a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are many Christians that I believe are true believers in the gospel of Jesus. They've been saved, they've been born again, but they make their Christianity, they make their faith in God all about what they can do. And Paul says, I did that back when I was a Pharisee. That's not what it's about today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read a few 
verses over there. If you'd like to turn there, you can. If you'd like to just listen along, you're more than welcome to. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible says, Are we beginning again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, letters of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Since you are manifestly declared to be the letter of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart, and such trust we, or trust we have through Christ toward our God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think anything as from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us able ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What the Apostle Paul is talking about right here in the letter to the church at Corinth is that the letter of the law, apart from Jesus Christ, it kills. It destroys. It makes useless. It makes pointless. And as a Christian that focuses on all the commandments and all the rules of Scripture without focusing on Christ, it can destroy. It can create what many people view so many Christians as is hypocrites. It can make so many Christians who don't have a real strong relationship with God but they focus on all the commands of Scripture, and I have to do this. It can make them self-sufficient in things that God says is good. Look, don't get me wrong. We ought to obey the commands of Scripture. We ought to, to walk with God and to spend time with God and to read as we read throughout the Word of God. Follow the things that God has told us to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. To love our neighbor as ourselves. We ought to share the gospel as the Great Commission tells us to. We ought to follow the commands that God has given us. But that's not the focus. Our focus ought to be Christ. When we focus on what we can do to keep God's word and to follow the commands of the law, we paint that picture of our Christianity and instead of painting Christ as the one that's to be exalted, the one that matters the most, we paint ourselves in what we can do as the focal point of our faith. Not only obeying the law, but I see a form of religion. In verse 5, back in Philippians 3, Paul says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. We know that Paul was not just a Pharisee, but according to the law and according to their culture, he was, he was a Jew. He was a Jewish man that honored the cultures and the traditions of being a Jewish follower of God. Everything about Paul's life up until his conversion had this, it had a form of religion, but it lacked the one that we worship in Jesus Christ. Before Paul ever became a Pharisee, he was born into a people and into a culture and into a land that knew that there was one Jehovah God, and he grew up in a culture that lived for God, that followed God. He would have lived in a place where he was taught the scriptures, where he was taught to obey the Old Testament law, but he was doing all of those things as a form of religion, as a system of beliefs, as a system of his culture, but he was missing the God 
of that Christianity. The, Jew, the Jews still do it today. They follow the commands of the Old Testament. They have a very deep and very powerful form of religion, but they do not have Jesus Christ. And that can be said about so many religions in this world, that so many have a system of belief that they follow. They have traditions that they live out. They have maybe a form of going to worship. They have a form maybe of giving to God in some way. But if they don't have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, then they have a form of religion, but they don't have God. Sometimes as Christians, we can be guilty of that as well. Yes, we get saved, we put our faith in Christ Jesus, but then the rest of our life is lived doing all of these traditional religious acts. We go to church, we dress up very nicely, we have our Bible with us, and we come to church and we pray and we sing and we tithe and we give and we do all of those things which we should do and they're great things to do. But if we do them apart from a vibrant walk with God, we have a form of religion, and maybe we even have the God of the Bible dwelling inside of us, but if it becomes all about what we do, instead of about knowing Christ, then we're missing the point. You see, coming to church is a great thing to do, but if we come to church because I'm going to be a good Christian, I'm going to be a good religious person, we come to church and we sit there and we never spend time worshiping Christ as we sing, we don't spend time looking and getting deep into God's word and meditating upon it. If we spend time praying, but it's really just words instead of our heart crying out to God, then we're missing the God of Christianity while, while having the form of Christianity. Paul says, that's what I did as a Jew. That's what I did all throughout growing up. That's what my culture said to do. That's what my parents raised me up to do, to follow all of these traditions, to follow all of these religious systems. But he was missing the God of Christianity. Not only is, is our Christianity not supposed to be focused on obeying the law or on a form of religion, but it's also not supposed to be on personal goals. Let's look at verse 6. The Bible says in Philippians 3, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning that righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Paul gives us really, I believe, three main categories of his faith before Jesus Christ. Before he met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, we saw he was a Pharisee. He was obeying the law. He memorized the law. He was doing his best to follow the law. He was a, a good Jewish man following the culture of religion that he had. But not only that, as a Pharisee, and then not only that, but in his career, he was zealous in persecuting the church. Paul had personal goals or personal ambitions that rose above his relationship with God. You won't find anywhere in the Old Testament where Paul is commanded to persecute the church. You won't find anywhere, maybe in his Jewish culture, where he was commanded to haul them off to jail or to even hold the coast as Stephen was martyred right in front of him. You won't find those things necessarily in the system of religion. You won't find those things necessarily in the Old Testament law. But Paul had this ambition to rise up to be the greatest of the Pharisees, to do above and beyond what he was called to do. He had these personal goals to follow after what he thought was right. But he lacked a relationship with God. 
And Lord, sometimes we do the same thing. Where we believe in the God of the Bible, we get saved, we're a believer, and we come to church, but then we make everything about us. We make it about my personal goals. How can I grow as a person? How can I be a better man or a better woman? How can I just be a better person? How can my family be better? And we make Christianity about using God to help us instead of us spending time knowing and worshiping the God who created us. When we read God's word as a self-help book, when we come and we hear messages as a way just to make us better people instead of worshiping and honoring God so that we can know Him better. And we use Christianity or we use God's Word, we use this time that we have in God's house as a way to somehow make us better instead of making God's name great. Paul says these are all the wrong focus points. These are all the wrong things to do. But instead, we ought to focus on Christ. We'll read again in verse 7. He says, but what things were gained to me? All those things I was focusing on that I thought was good, that I thought was vain. He says, those I counted loss for Christ. Yes, truly, and I counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but dung, that I may be Christ. And we counted him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness that is of God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Paul says something changed that day when I met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. We know the story of that night where Paul is walking down the Damascus Road, a light shows down from heaven, and he's blinded. He says, he says, you know, he looks up and he says, Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the voice of God calls down and says, Paul, Paul, why persecute this? Now when we see the conversion of Paul, where he puts his faith in Jesus. He turns to Christ and believes that Christ really is the Son of God, really is the God of the Bible. Instead of persecuting the church, he now becomes a believer in the church. And he says, my goal, my focus, is that I may know Christ. All the obeying the law, all the system of religion that I had, all the personal goals and personal achievements that I had had in my life, he says, those things were counted but laws that I may win Christ. Brings a good question. What does it mean to know Christ? What does it mean to really know God? And I can tell you this morning that, that I know of Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. I've read about them. Maybe I've been taught about them back in grade school. But I don't really know them right. Of course not. We lived hundreds of years ago. I can maybe you know, have a friend on Facebook and Maybe I've never met them before, but because of mutual connections, we got connected on Facebook, and I can see a few posts about them. I can see a little bit about their family. I can even see pictures or maybe videos that they might share on Facebook, and I can really feel like I know them, but in all actuality, I don't know them. I don't know them personally. I know about them. I know of them, but I've never experienced time with them to get to know them. Look, we can read about God's Word. We can re 
commentaries or read good books that talk about our faith. We can listen to podcasts and we can listen to messages and we can hear a whole lot about God. But unless you've been born again and put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us by dying for our sins on the cross, unless you've accepted Jesus Christ as the only sacrifice to allow you to heaven, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, unless you put your faith in him alone for salvation and then spent time with him, you may know a lot about God, but you may not know God personally like you ought to. Paul had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Paul knew a whole lot about God. You know, Jesus Christ, who came from, from the tribe of Judah, he was born a Jewish man. You know, Paul grew up in that culture. He knew a whole lot about God and where God would come from, where God came from, where Jesus Christ was. He knew a whole lot about the scriptures. He knew about the sacrificial system. He knew about the temple and about the synagogues. Paul knew a whole lot about God, but it wasn't until that day on the Damascus Road that he met God personally. And I know Pastor Jeremiah said there's no first-time visitors here today, but I want to encourage you, look, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, then you may not know God personally. You may know a whole lot about God. You may know a whole lot about religion. You may know a lot about Christianity, but until you have put your faith in Christ and made a personal decision to ask Him to be your Savior, then you don't know God like you can. Jesus says that when we accept Him as the Savior, we become a child of God. God's Word says that when we put our faith in Christ, then we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when we accept Christ, uh, the gospel, and we believe in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and when we accept his offer to us of eternal life, that then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us and to commune with us, and we can have a personal relationship with him. And it's only by that relationship that you can know him. See, knowing Jesus Christ and making him the focus of your Christianity is meaning that all, all else is lost. Is lost. That's not about obeying law. It's not about having a system of Christianity or a system of religion, but it really is about spending time with God. Paul says, All I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? Nothing else matters more than spending time with God. He says, I believe it was in, in, in verse 9, he says, And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness that is of God. That means when we spend time with God, that when we spend time in prayer, and we spend time reading God's word in a way that's genuine, in a way that's real, craving to follow after God, that we then, when we have put our faith in Christ, we have God's righteousness and not our own righteousness. The only way to having eternal life is by the righteousness of God, not by the righteousness of self. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. That righteousness is accounted to us. It's given to us. And that's something that matters. Knowing Christ brings the righteousness of God instead of our own righteousness. Isaiah says that even our good works are as filthy rags. Our righteousness, the good things that we can do, 
They're worth nothing. But the righteousness of God that gets me into heaven, that's worth everything. Paul says it's not just about our righteousness, but it's about experiencing the faith that is in God. It's about experiencing the power that's in God. It's about experiencing the fellowship that we can have in God. Verse 10, he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. That means that as we spend time with God, as a Christian, when we put God as the focus of our faith, by living for Him, by living out His Word, by sharing Him wherever we go, by trying to be more like Jesus Christ, by trying to be more like the God of the Bible, honoring Him and following after His example. When we do those things, we have the power of God. When we have fellowship with Christ. Fellowship's a wonderful thing. Now, even though I'm from Georgia, really I grew up in California, so even further away, as believers, as we walked in and greeted you, as so many of you kindly greeted us, I just sensed a, a spirit of fellowship. A spirit that even though I've never met most of you, if not all of you before, we can instantly get along because we serve the same God. We can have that same relationship with Jesus Christ. That because of our faith and focusing on God, we can have fellowship with God today tomorrow, and all throughout eternity. But it comes when we focus simply on knowing Him. Experiencing Him. Spending time with Him. Learning of Him. Listening to Him. Following after Him. Seeking to become like Him. When we do all of those things for the goal of knowing Jesus Christ, we get to experience that fellowship. Paul says, before I was saved, before that moment on the Damascus Road, my faith was about obeying the law. It was about the good works that I could do in my own strength. Friends, as a Christian, don't make your faith about the good you can do in your own strength. Make it about the righteousness of God that's already been given to you as a believer. Paul says, not, not just was it about my obeying the law, but it was about my, my system of religion. That being a Hebrew, being of the stock of Benjamin, it was about all these things that we did traditionally and culturally to follow after God because we're good Jewish people. Friends, Christians, don't just do Christian things to try and be a good Christian. Don't just come here and put on your nice clothes and sing the songs and bring your Bible because, oh, that would make me a good Christian. Sing songs because you're worshiping God. And sing them as a prayer of your heart to God. Read God's Word because you desire to learn of Him and to learn about Him. As you give and make offerings or tithes to this church, do it because you're really giving to God and seeking God. It's not to be a system of religion, a system of beliefs that are empty. It's to do these things because Love and know God. But it's not about our own personal goals. It's not about the good works that we can do. It's not just about trying to become a better person, become the best you that you can be. It's not just about trying to grow as a human being. Those things will happen if we follow after Christ, but that's not the focus. The focus is becoming more like 
Christ himself, as a Christian, as a little Christ, so to speak. The goal is to be like him. And that only happens when we spend time with him. One last thought before I close. There's people in my family that I'm a lot like. The first one is my dad. My name is Arthur Acosta. My dad's name is Arthur Acosta. I'm about half an inch taller than my dad. We probably have about the same build. And even when we walked, my mom took a video of when I was back home for one day in college, my dad and I, we were walking and talking. We even had the same stride. We were both just about the same from behind. Anybody, when my parents come to visit our church down in Georgia, everybody knows that Arthur Acosta is my dad. They don't have to ask me. I don't have to introduce him. They take one look at him and they say, oh, your dad's here. We're a lot, a lot similar. We're, we're a lot alike. We look like each other. We do things the same way. And really, there's two reasons for that. Number one is because he's my biological dad. I come you know, from his DNA. So I'm just like him in many ways. But you know, supposedly I was, you know, suppose I was, uh, you know, his biological son, but I grew up in a different family. We might look the same, and we might maybe even have some similar mannerisms, but there might be a whole lot that I would do that would be different based on who I spent a lot of time with. Another reason that I like my dad is because I spent a lot of time with him. Growing up, me and my dad, we worked together, whether it's on the car, in the house, on the yard. We worked together when I was doing homework, when I had questions about sports or about things I was doing. I would oftentimes go to my dad's house and spend a whole lot of time with him. So there's a reason that maybe me and him talk the same, have similar jokes or similar humor. There's a reason we like similar stuff. There's a reason that we're very, very, very similar. Because I'm his son, I'm born from him. It's because I spent a lot of time and friends, when we put out that picture of our faith, it ought to be a picture of Jesus Christ. Because, first of all, we're born of him. We've accepted him as our Savior. But also because we spend a lot of time with him. When people look at us, they ought to see Jesus in us. That ought to be the focus of our Christianity that we show to everybody. Because we're born of Christ.
follow God and have a form of Christianity. Maybe that's not how it started, but maybe because the busyness of life, that's what it's become. You know, is your faith in God all about what you can do? The laws and the rules that you can keep, the commands that you can obey, or is it about the righteousness of God that's already in you? Is it about how you can be better, or is it about how you can lift up Christ? As the pianist begins to play, I just want to invite you to spend some time talking to God. Spend some time asking God to help you focus on Him in your Christianity. 